This is the Mindful Experiment Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Vic. Excited that you're here. This podcast is all about diving deep into the mind and understanding this experiment or this game we call life. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This is the Mindful Experiment Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Vic. Excited that you're here. This podcast is all about diving deep into the mind and understanding this experiment or this game we call life. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Hey everyone, this is Dr. Vic, and you're listening to another episode here on the Mindful Experiment. This week, I had a blast diving deep into understanding the world of Enneagrams and how that can play a role in our life, our personality, our behavior, and so much more. Our guest, Aaron Bate, is the owner of The Living the Enneagram. Erin has been studying and using Enneagrams for almost 13 years. She has a degree in human development, master of public health, and is finishing her PhD in organizational psychology. Erin is a certified Enneagram teacher and trainer, as well as accredited Enneagram professional from the International Enneagram Association. Throughout her career, Erin has worked as a change agent and development coach and carries those skills into helping her clients at living the Enneagram. Erin uses the Enneagram model in conjunction with consciousness practices, mindfulness, emotional intelligence, and behavior change to help individuals access their wildest selves in both life and work. When Erin isn't working, she is spending time with her husband, two kids, and furry family members. As a parent of a special needs child and a woman addressing her own privilege, Erin is an advocate for equitable uh, opportunity for healing and growth through the Enneagram for all individuals. This was a great interview. We talked about a lot of different tools that you can use outside of Enneagram and why she loves the Enneagram so much more and what it has pulled her towards that. And then how you can use this in your life and understanding that to make behavior change, it's not just doing something. You also have to understand the why of what you were doing before and how to make the shift and so much more. Uh, we dove into also even myself. She read me right at the end and it was amazing how accurate she was to it and so much. So I know you'll find a lot out of this. So with no 
further ado, here is Aaron Bate. Aaron, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. I'm excited to have a fellow Chicago Cup fan on the show. These are always fun <laughs> yes. to have, uh, you know, and uh, always great. And hopefully, you know, life is doing way better than what the Cubs are doing right now. <laughs> um, but I'm excited to have you on. I, this is something that I've I've dabbled here and there with and uh, with Enneagrams, right? Did I get that right? Yep, you did. Before the show, I was like, I always mess this up. So, um and, and I'm, I can't wait to dive into that with you and so much more, but my listeners always know I like to just, I don't mess around. You're right to the start. Let's jump right in. So can you just share, like, how did your journey lead up to what you're doing now? How did that, that process really, really evolve to where you are today? Um, well, that's a great question. And it was fun to think about because I, I've, I'm a behaviorist by trade. That's my background. Um, and I've been studying and working in human behavior for 20 years. And I knew all of the things, right? I'm very uh, practiced in academia and the theory. And I've been working in shifting behavior in the corporate context, primarily around leadership development for most of my career. But it wasn't until seven years ago when I became a parent <laughs> and became a parent of a neurodiverse child where I had to actually embody, integrate, practice what I knew so well. So I could speak it, I could teach it, I could guide it, but there was something really different around having to practice presence and emotional and physical regulation because this little person needed me to be the absolute best version of myself in order to help them cope with the world in the way that was just too big. And so I often say that while I'm finishing a PhD and I have a graduate degree and I've been in the industry a long time, my seven-year-old <laughs> is my best teacher. She, um, and also my son too, but she really sort of kickstarted that process for me uh, and what it looks like to really embody presence and mindfulness and consciousness. And along the way, I was introduced to the Enneagram and it was a tool that helped me cycle through or pivot through the things that got in my way more quickly. And so, of course, I'm somebody who likes to do things faster in the world. And so I was like, yes, sign me up. <laughs> Let's learn how to do this better. So I would say um, I'm, I'm a much different practitioner today because of that than I am prior to being a parent. I love that. I think that's, you know, I love how the, you're like, my, 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 my child was my, my greatest teacher in that process. And I always say children are here to teach us just as much as we're here to teach them. Uh, mm -hmm. It's the same like the student teacher relationship. Like um, when I used to teach for some things and people like, oh, you know, you're the teacher. And I'm like, no, no, I'm the student, just like you are a student. We're, we're in the same realm. We play the both roles. Mm -hmm. Um and how it hard, you know, being a parent, I'm going to be a parent in six months from now. Um, yeah, thank you. And so it's one of those things where, you know, it's like, I always tell my wife, I'm like, you know how much they're, our child's going to teach us? Like, we're going to mm -hmm. have to mold and this and all these things. I'm like, it's not going to be, you know, like, oh, we're going to do all these different things for them. It's like, no, we, we're, they're going to be reminding us how to be present, how to, you know, hold, yep. you know, watch what we have to say, do these certain things. So uh, I think that's very powerful in that process. Yeah. So it's <laughs> when it comes to like Enneagrams and so forth, is there a lot, you know, utilizing them? And, I, and, I, and I'm, I'm not that well versed in them. Like I understand them to a certain degree. I've read, dabbled in a little bit here and there, 
but I'm assuming you can use these things for a, a lot of different reasons. Like when you're talking about how to, did you, did you use them on your child and so forth too, for that purpose or. Um, Ultimately it is the Enneagram is sort of this model of uh, personality development. It helps us understand what are the behaviors that we've adapted to in the world and what are the motivations behind those behaviors? And then how can I use it consciously so that I show up the wor- in the world intentionally, right? And so the construct of personality is really defined in late childhood, early adolescence. So most of us develop our sort of formal archetype of personality by the time we're like seven to 11 years old. So here we are <laughs> using patterns that we've had since we were, you know, like late elementary school, early middle school. So no wonder we sort of rub up against people in life because we need to develop new skills and tools. And so the Enneagram, much like many models of personality, helps us tie language to it um, because personality sits so deeply in the subconscious mind. It's a habit. It's something we've got practiced at. And so to bring it into consciousness and be able to name it and work with it and uh, shift it takes you know, sort of that level of awareness and using things like the disc assessment or Myers-Briggs or the Enneagram or predictive index just give us tools to name more quickly so we can get into that awareness and really sort of start to use it. So when I look at my kiddos, they're five and seven, they're still developing their personality. And so my job is to really just get out of the way, um, create a safe environment, help them be fully emotionally expressive, which is hard. It's a hard parenting choice to make. <laughs> um, you know, we, we got what we wished for there uh, and, and sort of watch how they develop um, as they continue to get a little older, but they are their whole selves, man. I love that. And the more you allow them to be, the more they can grow and evolve faster too, because uh, instead of like, you know, I remember being a kid, I get upset and mom would be like, or dad, be like, nah, Get, 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 no, no time for getting upset. And then I'll be like, but mad at it. And you're like, no, and they just let me be. Um, and so when you, when you're looking at those, so Enneagrams, you mentioned a lot of different things. And, 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 and so it's a tool to help you understand a little bit more of your personality, strengths and weaknesses, kind of things like that also. Yeah. Um, and that, this is why I love the Enneagram because it got more in depth than some of the other tools that I've been trained in. A lot of times personality profiles want to sort of just bucket behavior, the what of what I do, right? How I move, what it looks like, the end result, where the Enneagram says, let's tie a whole lot more to it. Let's understand why. How do you orient in the world? How do you process? What is your energetic movement like? Are you a processor? Do you like to, are you introverted? Do you like to sort of pull away and think about things? Are you a go-getter? Do you go at life? Do you solve the problems? You know, are you more emotional or more intellectual, right? We get to this really deep, rich picture. And then we understand, let's say in a parenting context or business context or, or a partnership, an intimate com- context, why, oh, why, why we're butting heads or why do, why do we have the repeat conversations? Or why are you frustrating me? You know, because it's like, oh, you're really emotional and I'm really heady. I'm really action oriented and you're a deep processor. So when we go to problem solve, we polarize naturally. Not that we don't want to work together. We just don't, we aren't equipped to solve the problem the same way in our subconscious. And so we've just got to be more conscious about how the other person moves so we can be more intentional about meeting in the middle, right? I like that. 
That's it. I'm gonna have to get one on my wife. That's it. Um, <laughs> just kidding. Um, yeah, it's one of those. Uh, I can see that as being a very huge tool, and like especially in anything. But like, in, and you're mentioning relationships, and I'm just like, that'd be great because you know, do you have you noticed like if you, if you ever worked with uh, couples, do they have like opposites where it's like you're saying one is like quick mm-hmm. to action, while the other one's like, ah, I'm gonna let me process this, let me let me soak into this and, and so forth, and see like some of the opposite, like they say opposites always attract. So do you kind of, does that kind of be seen through this kind of process sometimes? I think that's a beautiful recognition. And I use the same framework for business partners, managers, as I do intimate couples, as I do parenting, because it's relational, right? It's, it's this sort of relational component. And what we recognize is that we're often attracted to somebody that fills a gap for us, right? That sort of makes us feel safe and secure. But when we get into life and we're problem solving and we're dealing with conflict and we're pinched and we're stressed and we're we're at our capacity and then our survival responses take over, our habits take over, we're not aware of the other person's gifting, we go to the way we problem solve in the world. And then when we're frustrated or stressed, we want them to problem solve our way too because it makes us feel safer. So in the throes of life, we actually wish the person we were attracted to was more like us because it makes us feel safer more quickly. And so that's where consciousness practices and mindfulness and presence and grounding and body work are so important because in the throes of stress, I have to figure out how I recover and manage myself so I can hold my gift and hold their gift and use the best of both of it to problem solve. That's a lot of work. <laughs> it's not as easy as you're making it sound. I could say that. No, it's not. It's not. And my wife and I have done a lot of work in that process to get to that kind of a point where it, it, but in the beginning, it was just like you were saying, it's like, you just have this knee jerk reaction and you're trying to, like you said, have the other person in that and you want them to be like you. And so we project a lot really and then saying, hold on, wait a minute. I'm, let me, let me check myself and then let's see how this can grow. And it's amazing over the years, um, you know, just practicing that, how it, it really does work. And I always tell people, we still get heated like any other couple, but it's one of those things yeah. where um, we just understand each other now where she, she has certain ways and how she is. And I'm like, okay, great. That's how you're going to respond. That's how you like to do things. Here's how I like how you do things. But then I, I'm more like that quick, let's get to the bottom of this, even in the heat of the moment. But there's a beautiful side to that because now I'm like, you know, what? hold on. Let me just take a step back. She likes to process. Let me let her process. I will. I'm going to get the answer. I'm going to get we're going to solve this. I I don't have to. It doesn't have to happen right now. And so it's it's cool stuff. I think that's really cool. And when you do it with business partners, too, I'm I'm assuming that helps out massively to understand just those concepts, Um, because it's like a really it's a relationship in a sense, too, Mm -hmm. like anything else. Um, and then you mentioned some other, other, you know, I, I love, there's so many different tools out there. We were talking about that right before we got on. And it's one of those things where I, I used to use disc at one time uh, mm-hmm. in my, when I, with, with employees of mine. Um, at one point we even did it with patients just to understand what their communication style was, what they, if they're a driver, then I'm going to be a little faster with them, get to the point. But if they're like an analytical, then I'm going to be very thorough in the science and go, my, I would be like, oh, okay, this, if I'm going over their report, we're going to add an extra 10 minutes, at least give me cushion because they're analytical they're gonna have a lot of questions most mm-hmm. likely and, and so forth um so what it, it, it you might like just sharing a little bit of the difference of the tools and and just telling you know kind of break maybe breaking them down just a little bit for the listeners yeah um i love what you're saying about what you're doing because that's the sort of like crux of the enneagram is to learn to speak to somebody's listening 
And to take that and to apply that into a patient context or, you know, a staff context, I mean, that's really dynamic and really special. We just don't see enough of that in the world. And man, if we just did that more, how much more centered and seen and and sort of grounded would people move around the world? So thank you for your contribution to helping folks. (laughs) It's absolutely my pleasure. Absolutely my pleasure. Um. And so I love, I love, you know, sort of grounding the Enneagram as a tool. Um, It doesn't have to be the tool. Uh, It can be pretty polarizing. I think the Enneagram has been misused in a lot of ways. It's been diluted in a lot of ways. There's, um, so I'm a, I'm a, I'm a nerd at heart. So there's a lot of um, soft empirical evidence around Myers-Briggs not being that effective. There's holes in the DISC assessment. None of these tools are perfect. And so if we can hold them loosely and apply them to a framework or a context or a way of showing up, then we get to decide what fits for us and what doesn't. When we sort of sit in a a tool or a system or a framework and someone is telling us this is the way to be, this is the end all be all, we sort of get lost in that. We lose our humanity a little bit. And so I love the Enneagram because it it got more complex. It got more <laughs> humane. There's more humanity in it. It's messier. It's 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 more emotional than just you're a driver, or you're analytical, or you're a problem solver, or you're an introvert, right? Those are box checked, bucketed behaviors that we learn. That is why my disc profile changes in this work environment versus this work environment. It's not that I am different in my personality in different places, it's that I've learned to adapt, right? I'm an adaptable, responsive, you know, sort of learning agile person. And so I think about the the way we approach the work is more important than the tool we use. And I like to use it like, or think about it like body work. You know, if we were to, I used to run triathlons. If we were to like go to the gym and decide you and I to run a race, right? And the trainer just pulled us to the back, showed us a PowerPoint presentation for an hour, talked about body mechanics, the importance of sleep, the importance of stretching, and then we left and came back a week later, we'd be no closer to running the race, right? Like we actually have to like, go get on a treadmill, right? But that's how we've often looked at ego development in our culture. We're very interested in consuming information, watching a TED talk, buying a seminar, right? I'm sure you you've experienced this in your coaching programs. Like people come to hear your expertise, but if I don't go show up to the work and the work is in life, I don't actually make any shifts. And so I love the Enneagram because I look at it like a gym. It is my workout equipment and there's a lot of equipment in it that I can use pulleys and levers and different things that I can figure out what works for me. Because while I might be a runner, you might be into weightlifting. There's something for each of us, right? We get to sort of show up and still see the results. And so I think that's more important is the showing up and working out. Totally. I'm with you 100% of the time, especially when it's like, you know, the way the brain works and neurology works, when we overconsume too much information, we actually aren't going to do anything. It's going to actually <laughs> stop you rather than like, uh, and I, I know I was one of those because I, I remember 
we're studying uh, very successful individuals. And I was like, okay, what, how many books should I be reading per year? And they're like, well, 80 to 120. I'm like, okay, done deal. I'm going to read 80 to 120 books a year. And I was, I did it for a few years. And then I was like, I know I learned all this great stuff, but I looked at my life after three years and go, what am I applying? Like how much am I really? And it was like five, maybe 10% of what I read. I was actually like applying in my life. And I was like, there's something wrong with this picture. And then Mm -hmm. it became a point where it's like, okay, I got to start just read a book and then do the work and then go from that process. But yeah, yeah. it's, 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 um, there was a quote I read and I love it. it links to everything we're saying. And it was like, it was talking about like praying and it's like, you can keep praying all day long, but eventually David had to take a rock and go throw it at Goliath. And yeah. the whole, whole purpose is, is that, you know, you can do the, you know, the information, the studying, this, all this stuff, but eventually you got to just do the work. And this, and, and just like with, with Enneagrams, how does that play a role then on individuals? Like, cause I'm assuming this is all tying in when you know your personality and all these different things. And if I'm an introvert, if I'm like this type of person, how does that play a role with behavior then? And how does that create yeah. behavioral changes? I love that because that's really the place that I love to work the most, right? The, the Enneagram gives me a tool to sort of be on the same page with you and understand what might be important to you and your patterns really just hit fast forward on how do we make shifts in life. And then we understand what shifts might be out of balance. Do I need work in getting back into my body, into my intuition, into sort of those somatic experiences where I understand how my body talks to me? Do I need help with emotional regulation, right? That's a big problem uh, culturally for us, especially in the business context where we say, check your emotions at the door, which we believe that being objective is superior to being emotionally intelligent and emotional regulation doesn't have to mean that I'm overly emotional. It means I know how to handle how things make me feel. Right. And so that might be somebody's work. It might be someone might need help or support in how they process, how they use data and storytelling in terms of cognition, right? That's where anxiety lives, right? It's, it's a, it's, it's sort of making up stories for us that, that make the world bigger, harder than it maybe really is. And so the identity piece, the Enneagram helps me name and know the identity at the same level you do. So we're starting at the same starting line together. And if we want to affect results, if we want to change our behavior, if we want to influence habit, we have to change how it connects to the identity first. There's meaning behind it, right? So if you're an overachiever, if you're somebody who moves at life hard and you get all of these external you know, successes or validations because of it, right? I read 120 books a year and my business is successful and I work really hard and I show up and I work long hours. I get a benefit from that. There's validation to that. So my, my identity says, no, my success is tied to my effort. My worth is tied to my effort. So I can't just go to somebody in those cycles and say, oh, hey, Dr. Vic, Vic do less. You're going to be like, I don't know what that means. <laughs> so we have to go here, which is what sounds like you did. We have to go back to the identity and we have to sort of deconstruct it and understand it and know it and process it. And then we use a whole bunch of tools in our tool belt to support the identity shift and to manage the stress response cycle that inevitably creeps up as I'm shifting identity to get to this new set of behaviors. All right, guys, we're going to take a quick break here. Here is a word from our sponsor. The folks at BioOptimizers have done it again. 
They just released their new and approved formula for Magnesium Breakthrough, the most powerful magnesium supplement on the market today. This product was already amazing, but bio-optimizers have continued to research and improve it. This new fourth generation formula means Magnesium Breakthrough is now even more potent and effective for reducing stress, improving sleep, and boosting energy levels. If you're already taking Magnesium Breakthrough, you'll want to try the new formula as soon as you can because it now includes cofactors like B6, manganese that help with the absorption of magnesium. And if you ever tried Magnesium Breakthrough before, now is the perfect time to try it. Here's why. For the deepest healing of many health benefits, Dr. Mark Circus says there is going to be only one answer and that answer is magnesium. Why does he say that? Two very important reasons. First, magnesium is involved in 80% of the body's metabolic reactions. And second, about 75% of people are not getting enough magnesium. This is a much bigger problem than most people think because when you don't get enough magnesium, you suffer from poor sleep, low energy, and even higher stress levels. And every bottle of Magnesium Breakthrough, you'll get seven unique forms of organic full-spectrum magnesium, which can dramatically improve your health. It can help you sleep longer and deeper, reduce stress levels and help you feel calm, and give you abundant all-day energy to win at life. And because it supports mental wellness, Magnesium Breakthrough can help you finally feel like yourself again. Simply take two capsules before you go to bed and you'll be amazed by the improvements in your mood and your energy levels and how much more rested you'll feel when you wake up. For an exclusive offer for my listeners, go to magbreakthrough.com forward slash Dr. Vic and use Dr. Vic, that's D-R-V-I-C 10 during checkout to save 10% and get free shipping. Oh, and one last thing. If you want your loved ones to be healthier, consider giving them the gift of magnesium breakthrough for Mother's Day, Father's Day, or even a spring birthday. All right, let's get back to this rocking episode. I love that. You're speaking my love language. Because uh, it's, it's really looking like this is some of the work I kind of do in a way where when I work with clients, it's, you know, they come like, they're like, oh, you're a business mindset coach. Okay, great. And you're, you're a self-mastery expert. They're like, okay. So they have a, a projection of who I am and what I'm about. <laughs> Excuse me. And so then I'll be like, all right, so let, when we start doing our analysis and assessments and all these different things, then I'm like, okay, why do you do that? And they're like, oh, I just always that. I'm like, but where did that come from? Let's get to the yeah. root. I need you to do some work with that because we're not going to solve anything unless we go there first. And then mm-hmm. we have to clear that out. And there's, again, like you said, there's so many different tools of what we can use um, to dive in and be like, okay, yeah, this is what we can utilize to do uh, mm-hmm. in that process. Because I, I used, like I said, I was I used to use disc a lot. It was you know it was very quick. It was very you know one of the things I did want to ask this question. I forgot, I forgot to do it before. So yeah. is the goal of disc? Because this is what I was always told is just to have a balanced, you know, balanced, you know, whatever. I think have the numbers come out to be as close as they can, the same to each other. I I what from my understanding, it's to get your adapted and you know I can't remember the other term. It's been so long, but like the sort of active profile and your adapted profile as close to matching as possible because from their framework that says if you're adapted and natural so who I am at home versus who I am at work are in line I'm showing up as more of my true self and I'm less in stress when your profiles are different it means that you're working hard to be different than who you are therefore we have a lot of room for error here because of the way you're operating, right? Makes yeah, and that's one thing I always noticed too. When I used to first got into this, I used it for like the first few years of my career, and then after I was just like, 
I'm, you know, I, we, we do assessments and I'd be like, you know, someone will get to know me and like, oh, you're, they go through it and they're like, oh, they read about the driver and this and that. And they're like, oh, doc, you're a driver. And I'd be like, I'm driver by mindset. I'm a type A personality, but I go, I go, but I'm actually balanced. They're like, what do you mean? I go, you can see right here. I get, they're pretty even. My driver is actually the same as a, sen- a sensitive and, and also my uh, uh, analytical. And they'd be like, that's interesting. And I'm like, uh, I can handle people. I can handle a well-diverse type of people with different personalities. I go, maybe that's why. But um, mm-hmm. I thought I asked just because I was I was just in the back of my head yeah. remembering things like, oh, yeah, I remember this and this. And when we use this. Yeah, for this yeah, that, totally. But I think it's cool. So when people hear these things, so again, excited, you're hearing about Enneagrams. Can I make sure I say that right? And uh, all these different things. Is it like once you know the root, does things just change like that? Or is there process where I always call it working the kinks out. Those are things that yeah. uh, have to happen and take time for the process. Yes. Identity, identity shifting can take time. I think it is directly proportional to the effort that an individual puts on it. Right. So it just like, if I'm, if I go to the gym once a week, I'm going to get once a week gym results. Right. If I go to the gym every day, and I'm also resting and stretching and drinking lots of water and sort of supporting the whole system, I, I'm going to see re- results more quickly than the person who shows up once a week, right? And so the same thing goes with habit change and behavior changes. If I'm doing the work to stay more present, which we know takes effort, and there's some, some tools and things I can share with your listeners to help try to be more present. And I'm also actively managing moving through the stress response cycle, those two things have to go in tandem because my habits are coping strategy. They are the way in which I manage stress. If I decide to change them, my stress is going to go up and I'm going to want to go back to my old habits. So I have to do them together in order to see a shift. Now, if I'm doing that in, you know, intentionally in most of my interactions with my kids, I'm going to see changes more quickly than my, you know, counterpart at work who is, you know, trying it once a week when they listen to their favorite podcast. And this is where this is where being a behaviorist first is my favorite because I'm trained trained in behavioral theory. I also love the Enneagram. I've been using it for 13 years. I'm also a Gottman certified uh, practitioner. And I also am trained in trauma-informed parenting. And I use all of it to shift behavior. Because like we said earlier, there's tons of tools and we need sort of the whole self to get to the other side. And so we talk about the emotional content. We talk about the physical content. We talk about the logical problem-solving content. And there's sort of a framework or an order where we, we, we need to start with the body and get grounded in the body and address how it makes us feel before we can move into problem solving. And so if you sort of give people a framework where they can move through, they can shift quickly. I mean, I've seen people make some pretty major shifts in four or five sessions because they're intentional. Like anything, you only get in life what you put out there. Yeah. <laughs> when we talk about, when I keep hearing identity, I, had, I want to ask this question really quick. And that is, is the identity the same thing as the ego? Because when you're talking about like, you know, your stress response or coping mechanisms and things like that, it, it's shouting in the back of my mind, but I want to ask you first. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think we get, you know, all of these similar terms for the same thing. The construct of personality, the ego, identity. Um, this is the patterns in which we got comfortable 
and how we sort of, you know, present ourselves in the world. And ultimately, at the end of the day, it is a, it's sort of an armor or a mask for the full self, right? So somewhere in childhood, we said, you know, we're all born these sort of blank slate, <laughs> fully, you know, potential little people. And, and you'll see that in six months, you know, your little one is just gonna be something already, right? And then what happens is that we are sort of um, rubbed up against life expectations, the way you and your wife, parent, culture, religion, um, how we move in the world, generational trauma, you know, the the, the sort of things that happen outside of the home and school and kids are sort of just responsive to all of that. And they find, oh, when I do this repeat thing over and over, it feels good. Okay, I'm going to hold on to this. And so eventually they just get this smaller subset of behaviors that we call personality. Makes perfect sense to me. And yeah. so then how is it, and you brought this up and I love to, you know, tap into this just for the listeners a little bit. I, I, I talk about a lot of different things to get into a state of just getting into the present moment and things like that. Mm-hmm. What are some tools or things that you use to help an individual do just that? I, this is some of my favorite work. And this is when I tell people, if you start doing this, you're probably gonna start swearing at me under your breath throughout the day. Cause it's going to be the smallest thing you do that results in maybe a biggest disruptor because our our body is beautifully wired her neurobiology to find the pattern and sort of go to sleep right we want that subconscious because that's where we reserve energy and and we sort of save that precious conscious thought for real big problems and it's it's the whole orienting around survival like you know that part of our biology doesn't know that we're not still like foraging for food in the woods you know so it's trying to reserve energy and our work is to disrupt that cycle and the way we can disrupt that cycle is physically first right our body gets the most conditioned and so for someone who maybe say wears a watch on the same hand or a ring on the same hand every day, my body has gotten used to where that lives and then the process processes around which I use it. So if I want to disrupt my subconscious, I can easily just move my watch to the other side, my ring to the other side. I can drop a coin in my shoe and do something to disrupt me physically so that I'm moving around my day and I go to check my watch and I'm like, oh, it's not there. Damn, Aaron, you know, whatever we say. And then I have to go look at it on the other side. Now I'm fully in the present moment, right? I'm no longer working off the habit of checking my watch. And so I can use that opportunity, that level of disruption to go, okay, I'm in the present moment. Let's take stock for 30 seconds. Let's take some quick data. How do I feel? What is my body sensing? Am I nervous? Am I sweaty? Do I have a pit in my stomach? Am I angry? Right? How how do I feel in my heart emotionally? How do the people in my life make me feel? Oh, I just got off that pitch and I don't really feel in alignment with that person. Maybe I don't want to work with them, right? Like I get in touch here and then I get in touch with what I think. You know, what, what is, what makes sense to me? What does the world tell me? And I just start to learn how to listen to my full self more often throughout the day so that when I get into problems, when I get into stress, I, I'm, I have sort of quicker connections to these parts of me that I may have turned off before. 
I love that. I love how you, when you bring up too, like I, I'm all about tapping into the body. It's something that I, we as humans need to learn to go back into that and learn and use this as like a real tool. Cause we do get physiological responses. Like you were sharing a lot of them and everyone has their own unique, you physically, once you, I always tell people like intuition is very easy. Once you just figure out what your physiological response is with it. And once you yes. know that, then all of a sudden it's like, you can literally use this tool for anything. Um, and we all had it as kids. It's not like it's something nobody, not like some people are more gifted than others. It's like anything else. The more you use it, it's like a muscle. It gets bigger and stronger. Um, now I'm going blank. I got caught up in the new intuition part. But it, it's, um, um, you're talking about that, that, that. Anywho, I, I forgot now where my train of thought it's was right. going. Apologize about that. But That's I think it's, right. it's, it's, it's interesting to, you know, look at how to return back to the body. That's where I was going with it. And, but you said something at the end too, because a lot of times we may feel, and say, well, this is how I feel. Maybe this is this. But sometimes the mind can also play a trick on you to give you a feeling to go, okay, we're going to, this is danger, right? Survival. We have to survive at all costs. That's what ego is really doing for us or identity, those mechanisms yep. that we've developed. Yep. And it's like, all right, I'm going to trick you because I know how you work. And um, I've had a conversation with people before about like, where when you evolve and you you break through this discomfort and you, 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 you break through these barriers and they're like, yeah, see, now I master this. And I'll be like, yeah, you may have mastered that, but the ego is also evolving with you. So don't forget mm -hmm. that because it's, it's evolving and adapting in new ways, too, um, when it goes through these, these kind of uh, processes and so forth, which I find interesting. But um, um, so you were saying, though, then basically, if I understood everything, you got to create discomfort in your life by putting a coin in your shoe to throw, your, throw things off a little to readapt. Yes, you got it. You got it. Well, this is one. Of, and I love when you bring that up, though, because I, I, there's a reason why I'm saying that is because then, like, for example, have you ever heard like people doing now where they go like take a cold shower or do a yeah. cold plunge and stuff like that? And there is health benefits to these kind of things. But at the same token, I always interpret in the way I teach it is like, no, this is teaching you how to disrupt your way of living to a certain degree so that you can be more here in the moment and doing that. Because like you were saying, like the rings on your finger or mm -hmm. I could put my finger on you and after 30 seconds, your brain goes, oh, no threat, no nothing. We're going to let that sensory go away. And you'll be like, I'm, I'll be like, I'm still touching you. you will be like, no, you're not. And I'll be like, yes, I'm still touching you uh, yeah. in that kind of a process. Yeah. And I think the important thing to think about is in the disruption, right? If I go take a cold shower, I'm doing this intentional work. If I'm only focused on the result part of it, if I only focus on what I want to change, and I'm not actually coming back to how it ties to my identity, I'm not going to make change last. That's why less than 8% of people who make intentions at the beginning of the year or resolutions or whatever, make them stick is because we just use force. We just use, you know, this sheer cognitive force of I'm making a choice to go do this thing to shift right? So if I start taking cold showers every day, it does nothing for me if I don't go back here. And then eventually my body just gets used to cold showers, right? And then it becomes part of my subconscious again. I love how you're bringing that up because I think that's really, really critical because it's one of those things that when you look at that process, it's like I had a friend one time talking about like routines are not great to have. And I, I, know, where, I know where he was going with this to a certain degree because we, we talk a lot about this in the past. But you're talking one thing you brought up that I, I love is that because you can go and do it. And this was me like, oh, cold showers and, and doing <laughs> cryotherapy and sitting in the cold shower for 10 minutes. Got it. I'll, I'll get there. And then I did. 
And then it was like, okay, great. But then what did that, I'm just doing this stuff now, right? Like meditation. Okay. Meditate for a full year straight. Fine. I'll do it. Did it. What was it doing? So how do we go back and know the, to go to that part there to that, then we can really make this big radical change. Yeah. So that's where it gets really individualized. It's really about the person and where something like the Enneagram makes it easier. So I don't know. I don't know what your patterns are. I don't know what your motivations. I'm totally just guessing. So we take all that with a grain of salt. But for somebody that I see in you who can easily take something and turn it into a task and put action towards it, right? You're, it sounds like you in the past life, you're a really good doer. Like, I got this. I get things done. And so there's something about doing that's tied to your identity, that's tied to your coping. So we might unpack and uncover that you learned early on in life that what you do is how you get seen, how you feel safe, how you feel loved. The results of your efforts are your worth, right? So when we start tying identity with outcome together, then it's really hard to shift the outcome. We also see there's sort of an objectification around tasks because it's just the completion of the task that makes me good. It's not actually tied to me. And so what we'd have to do is go back, which sounds like you did beautifully, and unravel and deconstruct this idea that I, I am a human being and not a human doing, right? And, and that we've got to sort of play with that. And then I learned to be. And then when I learned to be, my processes change and I learn like, well, I don't want to read 120 books a year. This is where we start to see behavior change. I want to read six books a year, but I want to nail every single one of them. I want to be as good as the author in them. And then all of a sudden, your productivity has purpose. The results are you're more impactful in what you do because you're doing things that are more in alignment that, that have a greater impact. And so I read that in your story. I, I see that in your sort of trajectory. You did it without tying to identity, but that's what folks can do is get really, really clear about what it is that they do, the results of their behaviors and how it's tied to something. And then we're just really tender with how we support it to actually make change. You pretty much nailed it. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it is. it's been a process for years to break out of because it was so, and I know where it comes from. I like it's, it's even when I know like the exact uh, and it's not just one thing. It's it, I always thought it was just this one thing, but then I went, when I go deeper into the that aspect, I was like, oh, there's that, but then there was this, and then there's this, and wow, I have to do, you know. And I was like, wow, there's a lot of stuff back there. I'm like, okay, I got to work through this. Uh, yeah. But through the last through the years, again, like anything else, right? It's just you're. It's a slow process, but as you continue to do this, you unravel. And now, um, like now, I can say doing nothing is doing something. Yeah. You talked to me five years ago. I look and you go, oh, heck no, no time. I got to, I got to, my schedule has to be jam packed. This is how I like things to be. Uh, and so I can feel like I'm getting things done and I feel productive. And now it's yeah. like, here's what I want to get done for today. And that's it. That's my goal for today. And I'm not going right. to try to do anything else. I'm fine with what is. Yeah, I could do more. I could do this and that. But it's like, I'm just going to go awesome. with this. Good for you. So um, great, great. Appreciate that part. Um, so real quick, before we wrap up, how can people find you, connect with you, work with you, all that good stuff? I'm at living the Enneagram on Instagram. And my intention with that space is to create a bunch of tools and resources 
uh, as a way to practice, as a way I, th- I sort of think about, I could be one sort of small gym in the world for you to show up and think about mindfulness and reflect on your type and practice. And, um, and within that space, I've got a YouTube channel with a bunch of free content. So that's where I would tell people to go if you're like, oh, I want to dig a little deeper. I want to learn a little more. If you're interested in maybe learning a little bit about the Enneagram or your type, you can always reach out to me. I'm at livingtheenneagram.com and learn a little bit more about how it can apply to your life. That sort of identity portion of behavior change is my jam. It's what I love in the world. So um, I'm just blessed that I get to do it every day. I love that. And for all the listeners, I'll have that in the show notes for you. Aaron, this was a blast. I appreciate having you on. I know we're going to have some fun and uh, I definitely had a pleasure having you on and going deeper and being able to pronounce Enneagrams a a little better. Thanks for having me. Thanks for tuning into the podcast. If you found this episode to be inspirational, pay it forward by sharing it with someone that you know can benefit from this. If this is your first time tuning in, please follow us, connect with us so you don't miss another amazing episode. Until next time, keep rocking and rolling. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Thanks for tuning into the podcast. If you found this episode to be inspirational, pay it forward by sharing it with someone that you know can benefit from this. If this is your first time tuning in, please follow us, connect with us so you don't miss another amazing episode. And until next time, keep rocking and rolling.